Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed, so enjoy this message. What's up, Freedom House? Y'all look wonderful today. You look awesome. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Fantastic, fantastic. I also want to welcome all of our live streamers. We have Ethiopia, Tennessee, North Carolina, United Kingdom, New York. We have Ghana. We have all of our friends all over. Can we give it up for all of our folks from all around the country and the world? Glad you enjoy being with us, and make sure if you're ever in Charlotte, make sure you come out and join with us, and we'll have a great time. We'll roll out the red carpet for you and make you uh, feel like you're at home. Hey, everybody, look at your neighbor. Say, you look like you lost a little bit of weight this week. Come on, look at him. Say, you look like you lost a little bit of weight this week. Come on, that's good to hear, even if it ain't true, right? Come on. Well, hey, my name is Troy Maxwell, and my wife and I are the senior pastors here, and excited to be with you today. Uh, I got a great message for you. Um, I want to I want to share something really quickly. We've been talking a lot about this because at our other campuses, out in in Lake Norman, we are baptizing people, and uh, we would love to baptize you. Yeah, come on, give God a big hand clap for that. Isn't that great? Always good. Always really really good. And uh, if you wonder what baptism is, if you have made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, baptism is your witness to the world of that decision. Basically, God allows us and, and tells us, commands us to be baptized. Why? Um, is there something special about going down in water and coming back up? And no, not really. But the special thing is, is you're telling the whole world of what you did on the inside. I've made a decision. I'm leaving my old life behind and I'm beginning a brand new life. And we made it real easy for you to register. And we'll have everything you need here next week, by the way. But you can text made free to 84576. If you forget to register, you can still show up and get baptized because we have everything. We'll have little tents out there. We have hair dryers, clothes. Um, we have hair in case you lose some in the tub. <laughs> weave for you if you you know if you lose your weave in there. Whatever whatever works for you, we have it for you. Okay, so you, if you forget, you want to bring somebody. Bring somebody. If you want to dunk them, that's fine with me too. And so we'll have a great time. And, and, and remember this, it, maybe you did it when you were a kid, like you were really, really young, and you don't really know anything about what you did, it's time to get baptized again, um, because it really needs to be something that you made a conscious decision of it. So, hey, we're in this series called Anthropology, and we're talking about human behavior, the study of humans, relationships. How many of y'all enjoyed my wife last week? Come on, raise your hand if you enjoyed that message. She did a great job. I just want to let you know, I'm going to do better than she did. Just want to give you a heads up. Uh, um, she's at our Lake Norman campus today, but she did a phenomenal, I listened to that message, amazing, amazing message. I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to get your iPhones. If you didn't bring any of that, just use your eyelids. You can look up on the screens. We'll show you the scriptures. Take some notes today, okay? Here, here's a couple things about note takers. Note takers get to heaven before everybody else. So when you write things down, you take notes, you get in the front of the line. It's like a fast pass at Disney World. You get to skip all the judgments and go right into the heaven, all right? And that's not theologically correct, but hey, you never know. You never know. If you've got a big old notebook, when you get to heaven, you never know what could happen. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. If you don't know much about the Bible, Romans is in the New Testament. It was written by a guy by the name of Paul. 
Paul was considered, other than Jesus, probably the most influential Christian to have ever lived. Most influential Christian to have ever lived. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, which means that from Matthew to Revelation, he wrote two-thirds of those books that you read. Pretty powerful. Now, wouldn't you think, this is not a trick question, okay? Wouldn't you think that Paul was a pretty spiritual guy? Would you, would you agree? Okay, okay. Yes. Amen. Raise your hand if you think, I need, I need some participation today. All right. If you participate, I preach faster, and you hit Golden Corral way before the Baptists. All right? So we'll be good. Amen. All right. We'll get there before. I'm, I'm rare today. I'm telling you, I'm rare. Ready to go. Just want to warn you. All right. So you, you'd agree that if you wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he probably had a pretty solid relationship with God. Would you agree? Yes, all right. Well, let's read this first because this may shock you, some of the things that he said. Look here, verse 18. It says, and I know, this is Paul talking, that nothing good lives in me. Okay, where are you going with this, brother? That is in my sinful nature. I want, follow this, I want to do what is right, but I can't. You ever been there before? All right. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Some of us wanted to do good on the way to church today. But we didn't do it. I want to do what is, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Okay, where's, where in the world is he talking about? He's like, like talking like me, like a regular human being. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Can anybody kind of connect with what Paul's saying right here? I think we all can. Notice us what he says. He goes, oh, what a miserable person I am. <laughs> I mean, I keep, I want to do what's right. I don't do what's right. I want, I, want, I, I want to be nice, but I'm mean. You know, I'm on 77. I just went to church, and I'm telling everybody they're number one. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that I am dominated by sin and death? And then he gives us the answer. I'm thankful that Paul just didn't leave us hanging right there. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God that we do have an answer, that we do have an out. I want to talk today about the best version of you, the best version of myself. Look at your neighbors and say, I want to be... The best version of me. Look at your other neighbor. Say, I want to be the best version of me. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All of us have versions that we carry around with us. The version we take to work. The version that we take to school. The version that we go home with. Some of you have a version that you take to church with you. You know, the bless the Lord, amen, hallelujah, thank God version right? The one, the one that doesn't yell at your kids on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, you, you have a different whole version of yourself. Some of us have a version that we have on Facebook. Come on, that version that's been filtered. You've got 15 pictures and then you pick that exact one. That's the version that you like. We have a version that we suppress. We have a version that we hide. We don't want anybody to see. But I, I want to let you in that there is a version that is the best version of you. 
And I want to just put to you that God wants that version to be everywhere. He wants that best version of you to go to church, to go to work, to go to school, to, go to, to, to be on Facebook, if that's what it means for you. That's important to you, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. That may be the best version of you. See, the Bible says this in John chapter 8. Um, well, let me read this first. I, and I believe this. The most dangerous follower of Jesus is the freed one. The freed one. The best version one. You, you have a, the potential to be free. Jesus made this statement in John 8, 36. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. Can we all read that together, to get together one time? Ready? One, two, three. So if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. Now, let me ask you a question. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, so do you think... That every person who has made Jesus the Lord of their life is free. Do you, do you think that? I, I, would, I would put to you that they have the potential to be free. However, many believers don't live a truly free life. They don't live to the potential that they could live. Let me put it to you another way. I think... If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, you are a follower of God, you've been given a master key. Like I have a master key to this building, all the buildings that we have. I have a master key. I can get in and go through every one key fits every door. I can unlock it. However, if I never insert the key into the lock and turn it, I'll never get through that door. And, and I, I would just, I think that a lot of Christians are sitting in churches on Sundays and they got the key in their pocket, and they're still standing in front of the door, and they've never inserted it into the lock, unlocked it, and walked through. They're still dealing with addiction. They're still dealing with abuse. They're still dealing with emotional problems, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, all these things that we've all been given a key. If the sun sets you free, then you are free indeed. I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be, I want to be what God has called me to be. All of what God's called to me. And let, let's just be honest. It's a bit of a battle, isn't it? Like it's hard. It's like what Paul said in Romans 7. I, I, I don't do what I want to do, and I, and I want to do what I don't want to do. I, I want to do what's right, but I end up doing what's wrong, and, and I end up, you know, I'm, in this, I'm miserable. But I got this key jingling in my pocket, and I know that I have the opportunity to unlock the door, and I'm just standing in front of it. Today... I want to encourage you to use the key of freedom that God's given you. Come on. I want to encourage you to be that person that God has called you to be. Everything that God has called you to be. Use that key. Use that key. It is a battle. And I want to talk about three fronts that we battle on so you can understand. Three fronts, battle fronts that we face and then I'm going to spend a lot of time on the last one because I think it's the important one. The first one, if you want to write this down, is the world. The first battlefront that you and I face is the world, the world. The world that we live in wants to mold you into what it wants you to be. The world has principles and behaviors and thoughts and ideas and ideologies, isms that... It would love to mold you into, to be like it instead of being like God. 
Let me get you in the framework of thinking about this for a second. Have you ever, you ever talked to anybody that's a runner? Anybody? Any runners here? Wave, wave your hand if you, you're runners. About six of you. The rest of y'all need to get in shape. What's up? I am not a runner, okay? I run. If I have to, I do other things instead of running, okay? But if you talk to a runner, if you ever get in a room with a bunch of runners, there's a couple things that you're going to learn. First of all, every one of those runners is going to have some type of GPS watch on their arm, okay? They're going to have an Apple watch, a Fitbit, some kind of thing that's on their arm that tells them how far they've ran and, and where they've gone, right? If you're a runner, you, you're thinking about it right now. You're like, yep, I got it right here on my watch. I know exactly how many steps I've taken. I ran 65 miles. I don't know why you ran that far. God gave us cars. Just want to let you all know that. Just want to clue you in. I mean, you could upgrade to a bike and just, you know, get there a little faster. And, and if you sit down with them on that watch, they're going to tell you that this is the best one. Whether it's an Apple Watch, a Fitbit, or whatever it may be, a, a Garmin, they're going to say, this is the one, because they believe in that one. If you're sitting in a room with a bunch of runners, they're also going to talk about the shoes that they wear. They're going to talk all about their shoes. They're going to ask you what kind of shoes you wear. Some of them are going to say, I'm a Nike person. Some of them are going to say, I'm a hookah person, because there's hookah running shoes. I mean, there's all kinds of running shoes, all different kinds of shoes. And some are going to be sold out to those kind of shoes. They're going to be like, I'm an Adidas shoe person. I'm a New Balance, and, and I'm a Nike person. And they're going to tell you that their shoe, the one that they wear, is the best shoe ever existed on the planet. And you shouldn't run. If you're going to run, don't wear any other shoe except the one that they wear. And then the third area that they talk about, their clothes. They're going to talk about the shorts that they wear, the, the, the shirts. Some are going to be wicking and non-wicking, and some are going to take sweat away and not take sweat away. But they're going to be convinced that the clothes that they wear are the best clothes they've ever worn, and you should wear their clothes. If you're going to run, you should wear those clothes, wear those shoes, and use their garment. Are you with me? Okay, same goes with politics. Don't get nervous. I know. I can tell you. You're like, whoa, whoa, where's he going now? Same thing with politics. We start talking, put a bunch of people in the room, start talking about politics. We're all going to have a different opinion on economy. We should raise the, the minimum wage. We should lower the minimum wage. We should raise taxes. We should lower taxes. Everybody's going to have a different opinion. When it comes to the involvement of government, well, they should be more involved, less involved, middle involved. They shouldn't be involved. We should kill them all. <laughs> That's the way some of us think. Social issues. We all have ideas on social issues. Now, what, what, what am I, why am I talking about all this? Because that's all called a world view. And the world wants you to view it in a certain way and determine how you see marriage, how you see dating, how you see money, how you see God, if there is only one or is there multiple ways. Let me give you a definition of what a worldview is. A worldview is the way we see the world, make judgments about life, and answer the hard questions. But I want to let you in on a little secret. Not all worldviews are created equal. Just like there's shoes aren't created equal. And those are just really all of the issues that I talk. I was making fun of runners, but the truth is politics and social issues and political correct correctness and, and gender and marriage and finances, all of those are subsets of your worldview. 
As a believer, as a Christian, God gives us a worldview that works, that has nothing to do with whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Matter of fact, if you've decided to become a Christian, you are no longer really a Republican or a Democrat. You are a follower of Jesus above all of that. Amen? The Bible even says there's neither slave nor free, male nor female. They're, they're, we are all basically in the same realm when it comes to God's worldview. And there is one worldview that we are to adhere to. And that is the worldview that Jesus taught us. Let, let me read a scripture to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, I'm not going to talk about this for the rest of the service, but this would be a good thing to talk about, wouldn't it, for a little while? The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. No, it doesn't. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing the entire massively corrupt culture. Can I get an amen? amen. This is a good verse. I'm getting fired up reading the Bible. Verse 5, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers, erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse. Impulse. Follow this. Fitting every, not some, every loose thought, every emotion and every impulse into the structure of life shaped by Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen right there? So, so you're, you're, you're battling. You and I are battling a worldview, a world philosophy that's trying to mold you and make you into what it wants to, to say. The second battlefront that we face is the enemy. Not only are we being pressured by the world, but we also have a spiritual world. Whether you believe it or not, there are devils and there are demons. And they want to take you out. They want to steal, kill, and destroy. There is a real Diablo. His name is accuser of the brethren. His name is adversary. His name is father of lies. His name is the devil, Satan. And he's got a third of the angels that he stole from God. His army reserves that are standing by him trying to knock you down, trying to steal everything that he kept, trying to keep you away from God. And he'll do anything he can. And if you find God... He'll try to make it feel like hell all the way to heaven. He'll try to do everything you can to keep that key in your pocket and never use that master key. He doesn't ever want you to pull that thing out. He doesn't want you to know you have a master key. He doesn't want you to know that you're even standing in front of a door. He wants you to think you're always going to have to suffer with that addiction. You're always going to have to be in that rough marriage. You're always going to struggle in that issue. You're always going to be in this situation. You're always going to be poor. You're always going to suffer. You're always going to do that. He wants to keep you just right in that realm, always and forever. So what do he wants you to do? But you can, you can overcome him. Matter of fact, Jesus even said on the cross, it is finished. Amen. And the Bible says he took, went to hell, took the key away from the enemy so that you and I could be free. If the sun sets you free, you shall be free in 
deed. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We don't, you're not wrestling against your boss. You're not wrestling against that neighbor who lives next to you who has way too many cars in their front yard. Okay, okay, that, that's not who you're wrestling against. Your family, Uncle Joe, you're, I know you're getting all nervous about Thanksgiving already, that he has to come over your house, he gets drunk, and he starts talking about politics. That's not who you're wrestling against. Okay, you're wrestling against the enemy. And then here's the last one, and this is where I, I want to spend the majority of our time, is me. The third battlefront that I have to deal with is me. I am my worst enemy. I am a traitor. Paul even told me, he's miserable, I'm miserable too, because I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do. There's this wrestling match on the inside of me. And let me just say, the world and the enemy all use this battle as a way to to destroy and diminish you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to keep you, to hide that key away from from you. Here's what Paul said again. I do not, I do what, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Now, now, now what is this battle? What is this tension that we face? What is this contention that we're talking about? The Bible calls it this. There's two warring uh, beings on the inside of us, if we want to say it that way. The first is our flesh. Everybody say the flesh. The flesh represents what's called our sin nature. All of us have one because we were born originally from Adam and Adam sinned. And because of his sin, he started this snowball effect that you and I, some 6,000 years later, are now influenced of because of him and his wife, Eve. These two basically influenced us to the point where now we live in a sin nature. We carry that sin nature around with us. We we have to deal with it. You're always going to deal with it. You're not going to stop dealing with it until you go to heaven and you get a new nature fully and completely of God. This is why when you get saved and you believe in, Lord, I need to shed those 20 pounds. Lord, In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. Come on, Jesus, hallelujah. I need to, give me, please, Lord. And then you open your eyes, and you still got that 20 pounds. That's your flesh. Those thoughts that you have running through your head about what you did, the mistakes that you made, that's your sin nature trying to rear itself. On the other side, we have what's called the spirit. Now, I want to show this to you, and so... um, Aaron and Stephanie, can you guys come up here for a second? And I want you guys to help me with this so you can get a picture of what this looks like. I'm going to have them help me out here and explain this wrestling match between. So Stephanie is going to be the spirit. Everybody say amen. She looks like the spirit. And then Aaron is going to be the flesh. And so if you want to look at this, don't pick that up yet. So before Christ, before you give your life to Jesus... The spirit, just step back over there, is not even alive. You are totally driven by the flesh, our sin nature. Now, you may make some good decisions. You may make some bad decisions. A lot of people think, well, if I'm good enough, 
then I'll get to heaven. That has nothing to do with heaven. Heaven has nothing to do with whether you're good or bad. Now, we'll talk about that in just a second. It has to do with relationship, not works. Let me say that one more time. Your, your, your destination doesn't have to do with how good or bad you are because Paul just told us sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. Sometimes he's bad, sometimes he's good. And I would think that Paul's probably in heaven, just saying. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Okay. But our flesh wants to do what it feels. It, it wants to do what feels good and feels right. And so we'll make up our own life according to what our flesh feels until we give our life to Jesus. And then what happens is we are born again, born of a different spirit. Now comes this battle where the flesh is pulling on one side and the spirit is pulling on the other side. And there's this tension in the middle. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. There's this, I, 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 I want to be nice, but I'm not. I, I, I want to follow God, but I don't. I want to serve him, but man, I'm tired. And I don't wake up again and again and again. So we live in this battle between the two. So how do we overcome this? How do we get to the place where we can deal with this on a regular basis? Because let me just clue you in. You're always going to face this until you go to heaven. This is a battle that we're always going to have to face. Now, religion, religion, not relationship, religion says fight the flesh, willpower. I'm going to suppress the flesh. So what I'm going to do is focus all of my attention on what I shouldn't do. I better stop doing this. I better stop doing this. I better stop doing that. But that is not how you win this battle. It'd be like this. Quit thinking about a pink elephant. Stop it. Stop talking. Stop thinking about a pink elephant. Where's that pink elephant? Stop thinking about it. He's not here. He's nowhere to be found. All you can think about right now is a pink elephant. Because I'm trying to suppress. I'm trying to not do something. I'm trying to suppress my flesh. That's not how you win this battle. The way you win this battle is surrender to the Spirit. Amen. You surrender and focus your attention on what God wants you to do in your life. Amen. So instead of trying to stop doing, you start living according to the Spirit because there's this battle that's going through. So you focus your attention on what is good, what is noble, what is precious to God. So I'm connecting myself. Does that mean I still have a flesh? Absolutely. Matter of fact, as, she, as the Spirit leads me, my flesh is going to follow along because the Spirit is the one that's leading me, and I'm taking control of my flesh. That's why Paul made statements like, I got, I got to die daily. Every day I got to die, which means I got to die to my flesh. I got to give in order to follow the Spirit. I want to be connected with the Spirit. Now, I'm going to show you how to do this. It's not as hard as it looks. The tension is always going to be there. Give them a hand. Give them a great hand. Thank you guys so much. 
So here's what the Bible says. This is where you can see the wrestling match. Galatians 5, verse 17 says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They're, they're contrary. They don't want the same thing, nor do they want to do the same thing. So that you do not do the things that you wish. The reason why you keep doing what you don't want to do is because you're letting the flesh win. And, and, and this is where Jesus came into play when he came on the scene. He let us know because that's why he was so adamant against the religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the wooden seas and the couldn't seas. Okay? That's why he was so adamant against them. It's because they were trying to tell everybody that you need to earn your way. Suppress the flesh and you'll be able to make it. And he said, no, no, no. Surrender to the Father. Surrender to God. Surrender to who he is. And Jesus did this, by the way. He, he actually did this battle for us and helped us understand how to fight it. Let me show it to you. In Luke chapter 22, it says this. And when he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, let's talk about this for just a second. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Now, we would think that the battle was the cross. We would think that his ability to overcome the, the accusation and all the yelling and the beatings that he went through and the actual cross itself carrying all that would be the battle. But Jesus actually won that battle before he even got there because he was able to lean into the spirit. And this showed us. See, he was able to go to the cross Die on the cross because of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. We got to go back to the Garden. What's the Garden? After they had supper, the disciples, they all, three of them, Peter, James, and John, they all went to this Garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says he separated himself. He went away from, and he prayed this prayer. Notice what Jesus said. Father, Father, I'm going to go to you, God. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. I really don't want to do this. Let's be honest about what he's saying. Jesus is saying, God, if there's another way, I really like it. If there's, I know you're, you're my father. I'm going to follow you. But if there is another way, I would love to take that way. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless. Everybody say nevertheless. nevertheless. Not my flesh, my will, but your will, the spirit. I want to do what you want me to do. And when he submitted himself to the Spirit is where he was able to stand in front of Pilate and all of those people and be accused and just stand with his arms crossed peaceably because he had submitted and surrendered to God's will instead of trying to suppress his, his flesh. See, many of us are dealing with the addictions that we have and the abuse and the past that we have because we're trying to forget our past instead of thinking about the future. And so if you, can, if you can get your mind thinking about what's ahead. So how do we do this? Good question. How do we win this battle? Three things. If you haven't written anything down, I'll write, get you to write these three things out. Number one is you got to control the high ground. I'm almost done. Control the high ground. Control the high ground. Everybody look at me. Control the high ground right here. This is your high ground. Point at your head right here. This little three and a half, four pound mass up here is, gets us in a lot of trouble. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, 23, as he thinks in his heart, so he is he. So he is. 
as a man thinks in his heart. What's going on up here? What are you thinking about? What are you putting your attention on? What are you focusing on? See, the reason why we have behaviors and beliefs is because of what's going in here. You can shape your future by what goes in your mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Joyce Meyer had it right. The battlefield is the mind. It is the mind. And so we've got to learn how to battle in our mental realm. It's not mind over matter, but it is what matters going on your mind. It's not, I can't change matter with my mind. However, it really does matter what's going on inside of me, what's going on in my head. Here, here, here's how Paul said it to the Philippian church. He says, summon it all up. Okay, I'm going to sum it all up for you, friends. I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, on things noble, on things uh, reputable, on things authentic, compelling, gracious. Okay, then he says, the best, not the worst. How do you do that? Well, you got to find something good about that person. Maybe you got a, a person in your life and all you can think about what's worst. Well, maybe, maybe it's the fact that they're moving away from you. That could be the best thing. You got to think about what's best, not the worst. What's beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise and not things to curse. You got to fill your mind. And the greatest weapon that you and I have in the, in the high ground is the word of God. I can't tell you how important it is to spend time in God's word. Just start small. You don't have to, look, I, I know what you're thinking. And, and this happens to happen to me when I, when I, early in my Christian walk, somebody would say, hey, you need to read the Bible. So I think tomorrow morning, I'm gonna wake up at five o'clock and read like 16 chapters in the Bible. And you know what happens when you do that? You don't do it. And you feel like a, a flipping failure. And then the next day, you're never going to do it because you think God's so mad at you because you said and made that commitment, you're going to wake up, but the alarm went off and you were tired because you binged on the walking dead the night before and, and you don't even know what's going on and all you can think about is zombies. Because <laughs> a new season came out and you're like, yes, where's it been all my life? But you got to feed yourself with the word of God. Feed yourself with the word of God. So on the way to work, instead of listening to Billy Bob and Jim Boy, whatever their names are, nothing against them, then put the word on. You say, you mean you got to do it every day? Maybe. With that kind of attitude, yeah. <laughs> if you want to change that anger problem you have, if you want to change those emotional outbursts, if you want to change that consistent behavior that you're having that's not pleasing to God, you can't do it by doing the same thing over and over again. You got to change what's up here. You got to change. You got to control. Look at your neighbor. Say, control the high ground. Control the high ground. Control the high ground. Here's the second thing is you got to fight fire by being on fire. You got to fight fire by being on fire. I'll tell you a funny story. When uh, Penny and I... Um, were early on in our relationship. We met at a fraternity party, and I convinced her to go out with me, and I took her on the date of all dates. I took her to see three men and a little lady, chick flick. That is a total chick flick right there. And then what I did, because this works, I took her home to see my puppy. Puppies work. I'm just telling you right now. Guys, if you're having a hard time, just go get a puppy. They are magnets. So I took her over to my house. We played with my little puppy, Baxter. 
And I thought she fell in love with me at that moment. I just knew that it was over with. I've entranced her in the Maxwell, you know, it's like the Maxwell juju has just completely enraptured her. However, she had another plan. So we go to this really cool place because I'm thinking about, you know, kind of moving forward in the relationship. Like, we're going to go forward in this relationship. We're going to move ahead in this relationship. So I take her to my, my coolest romantic place. It was a place called Bryan Park. It was a, uh, they had a bridge. They had bubbling water and, and it was like rocks and, and man, it was just beautiful and, and we went down there and I'm thinking, you know, we're going to talk about the future of our relationship and how much she loved me, but really, she was going to dump me. It's like she was going to just let me go. Like that was it. And so we're standing there, you know, and I'm thinking about how great this is and how great I am because that's what, you know, I, was, I wasn't even saved. So I was like, this girl loves me, you know, she's all into me. And then she says, I just want to let you know something. And whenever a girl says, hey, I just want to let you know something, you know it's trouble. This was before texting. You know, back then, you couldn't text anybody to let them off the hook. They had to do it face to face. And so she's standing there. She goes, I just want to let you know I'm really not that into you because you're not, you're, you don't go to church and you are not on fire for God. And I was like, what? I said, first of all, you haven't given me a chance to go to church. And, th- and secondly, I don't even know what on fire for God means. <laughs> like, what the heck does that mean, on fire for God? And then a few months later, I found out what it meant to be on fire for God. Because you'll never take fire if you're already on fire. The enemy will never be able to burn you up if you've already been burned up. Are you following what I'm talking about here? What I'm talking about is a conscious, a a spirit-filled relationship with the Holy Ghost. You have a secret weapon, and his name is the Holy Spirit. He is the power part of the Trinity. He is your helper. He is the one that will pray for you when you don't know how to pray. He is the one that comes alongside you to lead you through life. He's the one that will direct every one of your paths. He is the one that you can go to in prayer. Are you following what I'm talking about here? See, there is another level of Christianity, a whole nother level of Christianity where you can go into life knowing that God has your back. Yes, Salvation is a real thing. Being baptized by Jesus is a real thing. You can go to heaven, but then there is a whole nother level called Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You, you, you'll have, there's a power that comes on your life. And when I was introduced to this power, everything changed in my life. Everything changed in my life. My whole life changed. This is why uh, John said this about Jesus. is that I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, say it with me, fire. That's the, that, this, is, this is what Jesus came to give us, a secret weapon, a secret weapon. And that's why Galatians 5 says, but I say this. Let the Spirit direct your lives. When you come into that relationship with the Holy Spirit, He truly will direct you in your life. He'll he'll talk to you. God will talk to you. If you'll listen. The other day I was praying, and and I I got this situation that I was going through, a really serious situation. 
And, and I, I, been, I was praying and praying and praying. Have you ever had God do this? Be quiet. Ever tell you to be quiet? He told me to be quiet. I thought I was being all spiritual, but he said, Troy, if you'll just shut up, I will tell you something. And he said two words, be patient. Changed everything. The Holy Spirit just filled the room. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, the problem that I was going through, the challenge I was dealing with, would be helped, would be, would be dealt with. Like I knew it. I just, I just knew it. I just knew it. Last thing I want to say to you is you got to lift your voice. You got to lift your voice. You got to have a rally cry. I never saw this before in the Bible. I was listening to this guy preach, and he, and he, and he said this, and I'm like, I got to check that out. See, before the cross was the garden. So in order for Jesus to take care of the cross, he had the garden. But in order for him to go to the garden, something Jesus did that I never saw before. Or maybe I saw it and it really just didn't kind of step up to me. It just didn't, it didn't jump in, into my head, so to speak. It didn't jump in my heart. It just revelation came. So before the cross was the garden, but before the garden, listen to what the Bible says. And when they had sung a hymn, Jesus sang Right before he went to the garden, right before he, he had this flesh-spirit battle, he knew what he needed to win the battle was, i got to sing to God. In other words, he knew that he had to worship. And listen to me, and I'm done. Listen, listen, listen very closely. Worship is not just a weapon. Worship really is the war. It's not just a weapon. No, worship is really the war. What, what Jesus was doing in this situation was saying, God, I'm putting you first. God, I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to put you in the proper place that you need to be, which is first in my life. That's what worship does. Worship realigns our hearts because we tend towards other things in place of him. We really do. We tend towards relationships. We tend towards people. We tend towards drugs and alcohol. We put those above God because we think that they can fix us, help us, numb the pain. When God says, no, 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 no. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your Savior. Let me be your friend. And we just sing out to him. Amen? Why don't you stand up on your feet if you could? Stand up on your feet. And I just want to ask you really quickly, if you could just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. Maybe online, if you could just bow your head, close your eyes. If you, if you can online, just, just take a second. Let's take a little inventory today. Let's just do a little inventory before we go out into the world. We got Monday through Saturday. We got, we got six days of battle we got to do. It all starts right here on the inside of me. Six days of battle. And it starts right here with me. So let me ask you, every head bowed, every eye closed, are you right with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Have you given God your heart, everything? Have you, have you said? Now, you say, well, what does that mean? Just what I said. Have you given him everything? Have you, have you said yes to Jesus Christ? Yes to an eternity in heaven. Yes to following him. Well, does that mean I got to change all this stuff? You know, let him work out all this stuff. Remember, you don't have to suppress it. Just surrender. Maybe you've never surrendered to Jesus. 
said, yeah, I want, I want a relationship with him. Maybe, maybe you surrendered to him at one point in your life, but hey, you, you took your life back into your own hands. And today, you can make things right. That's what worship is. Can I just tell you something? He loves you. His love has never changed. No matter the mistakes you've made, the failures you've had, the problems that you've gone through, the mistakes you're in, the failures you're right in the middle of, the problems you're right in the middle of, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He wants to talk to you. He wants a relationship with you. So I'm going to count to three. If I, When I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand. You say, that's me. I need a realignment today because I've excluded God out of my life. I'm gonna, when I count, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. just want to know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you up front. just want to know who I'm praying for. If you're online, just tell one of the people there in the chat bar what you're doing. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, just say, yes, I want to follow God. Yes, I want to surrender to Jesus. Yes, I want to surrender my life to the Spirit of God. Ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. You say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dozens, dozens, dozens of hands all over the room. Keep your hand up and let's pray this prayer out loud. Everybody in this room, just join with as we make this declaration. And then we're going to sing out a song together. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change me forever. I'll worship you and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.